Welcome to the Bavada at Odds podcast. I'm Seth Everett. He is the head odds maker at BavadaSportsbook.com, the great Patrick Morrow. And Patrick, how fun was week one? Week one was fun. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, It was chaotic. It was, uh, you know, a couple games went to overtime. One ultimately got resolved. Uh, a lot of survivor devastation one uh, for all the poor folks out there as uh, the favorite. I I have one entry left, but that's only because I have six or had six to start the season. But uh, the wife, she's toast. My dad, he's gone. My father-in-law gone. Um, It it was brutal. So I I mean, it was fantastic there. There were not a lot of massive favorites week one, but the way those games ended, the missed field goals, the crazy calls, uh, it it, it was, it was perfect. And uh, it, it was, it was also a really good week one for the book, which I know players don't like to hear. But uh, th- this is the facts only zone, folks. Uh, we will uh, definitely be talking about when we're on the other side of that. But uh, it was great. And you know what? Uh, everything we had on the website, uh, the website held up great. The props were great. The live betting was great. Uh, it was it was a smooth day for us as well. So it's awesome when uh, the betting content itself can hold up as well as the product on the field. So yeah, I, I have nothing else to say, but just awesome. Looking forward to week two. What did you think of uh, Brian Dayball going for two? Uh, against Tennessee, against uh, the, the number one seed last year in the AFC playoffs, uh, going for two, knowing that if he doesn't make it, he uh, he loses the game. We talked about this last year on this podcast. Do you remember that? We well, talked just about, going for two late in the game, or no, like no, going, going for, for two, two to win, or? when when there's seconds to go, and you're down by uh, seven. If mm. you score a touchdown and you kick, you go to overtime. Mm-hmm. But if you go for two, it's feast or famine. You either win the game or you lose the game. Right. What, um, what? And so this was an interesting one, Seth. Because we talked about this last was... year. I don't remember the game, but this exact thing. I think it was the Arizona Cardinals did the same exact thing and they didn't go for two. Right. So and why I think this one's a little bit different is because it wasn't just seconds on the clock. I think there was something like 40 seconds left in the game when the Giants uh, scored the touchdown and ultimately decided to go for two because the Titans did have a chance to go down the field and right, right, right. kick the game and field. Yeah, Sorry, that, there exactly, was a minute. It's not exactly left. the same as last year, right? So I find myself in a weird spot with this one because I am as aggressive as it gets when it comes to going for on fourth down, going for two-point conversions late in game. If that was with seconds on the clock, I, I like that one as a no-brainer. The Giants were underdogs going into that game. And so as a result, you have to like your odds of converting a two-point conversion more than you do like your chances of uh, winning an overtime as an underdog. Your two-point conversion success rate is going to be higher than 50%. You go to overtime, you are going to be under 50% to win uh, in that spot. But with a minute left, uh, that's curious. It's curious, but it's it's to me, it's gutsy. That's That's the way to describe it. It's gutsy. It's I believe in my team. And I go for the jugular and you do it and you try. Um, it, it's, it's a fascinating thing. I, 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 I was, I was fascinated by that. You want, you want me to give you the other thing I, I thought was absolute garbage though. I'll give you the opposite. All this right. Is, all right. Uh, fans of Seattle. How do you, oh, hell yeah. do you boo Russell Wilson? Shame on you. I, Shame on ow. you. Shame on uh, listen, you. He was, uh, you are, he won a Super Bowl for you. He did. He was traded. He didn't. He didn't. Uh, he, he he didn't commit a crime. He didn't commit a sin. I don't even like Russell Wilson. You cheer that guy 
once. Now, you want to cheer when he gets sacked or cheer if he throws an incomplete pass? Yeah, sure. Be the great home fan that you are. The man steps on your field, you you salute him. I hey, Listen, at great. least they didn't throw garbage at him like uh, they did Dak Prescott in Dallas on Sunday night. I, I, I mean, I, I, didn't, I, I know they booed oh. Russell Wilson. Um, I didn't see how bad it got. Uh, yeah, it, it, another great game. It, it, listen, it's they're a passionate fan, but I, I, I think the Prescott stuff on Sunday night was a lot worse. Uh, but yeah, that's that's a tough start for Dallas. Tough start for Denver and uh, Russell Wilson um, in a game that they probably should have won. Uh, stopped two times uh, from the one yard line, and then the curious decision late. Talking about curious decisions in game, selling for a sixty-four yard field goal instead of giving Russell Wilson your two hundred forty-five million dollar QB the chance with the ball on fourth and five. Um, I think uh, after the game, it's been noted that only two field goal attempts out of thirty plus. Uh, from that range have been successful in NFL history. So, you know, fourth and five, I would give the, the Seahawks there roughly, or sorry, the Seahawks, the Broncos, about a 45 to 50% chance of converting. Uh, just to- It's like Pete Carroll was still coaching a Russell Wilson team last night with how conservative that offensive play calling got late in the game. And uh, I never, I don't believe in karma, uh, but I do think that uh, you kind of get what you put into it and the Broncos there played to lose. Or played not yeah, but to if win they're, if But else. if we're going to talk about karma, then the Seahawks should have lost because they booed they, they, they booed Russell Wilson. You That's don't, why I don't believe in karma. You don't, you don't boo Russell Wilson. I Seattle, you're better than that. I lived it. I lived there for four years. I covered the Seahawks. You're yeah. better than that. You're you become an obnoxious fan base when you do stuff like that. Yeah, it's you know what? You disagree. It's, you disagree? No, I don't. I just. I, I just, it's, it's a weird thing in sports content and sports podcasting content, but I just, I don't have a hot take on it, which uh, I know I'm supposed to, so am I <laughs> supposed to passionately agree, or I should say, Seth, you're crazy. You're out of your mind. But no, I just, I, I, again, I, I look at what happened in Dallas with Dak Prescott. I just like, holy crap, that was terrible. That's your, that's your franchise QB is going to come back at some point this season and fans are pelting him with garbage. Uh with Russell Wilson, the Seahawks, and booing, uh, you know, maybe some of it was good natured, maybe some of it was passionate. As long as they weren't hurling around some words that they shouldn't be hurling, uh, no, doesn't they, really bother they, me I, too much. Look, I, I I saw it on delay afterwards, and it was more on Twitter. And then I saw the video, and I was I was I was offended. I was like, oh my god, Ooh. what what I thought you do is you cheer him once. The yeah. minute that game is kicked off, he's your enemy quarterback. I understand all of that. Before mm-hmm. the game starts, he's on your field. Oh my God, the guy won a Super Bowl for you. Yeah. Oh. No, and I, I, I mean, if you're Seahawks fans, uh, if Pete Carroll know, doesn't make the, the wrong call, if Pete Carroll doesn't make the wrong call, he he wins two Super Bowls for you. Well, that, that's just what I was gonna say. I mean, if you're a Seahawk fan, um, if you're gonna be booing anybody, you should be booing Pete Carroll. I mean, Pete Carroll and the conservative nature of that offense and whatever his relationship was with Russell Wilson towards the end is part of the reason why Russell Wilson is not playing for the Seattle Seahawks still and finds himself in Denver. I mean, this is a Seahawks team, which hey, listen, it's it's a nice win last night. It's a great story for Geno Smith, uh, having that kind of success. He played a very good, very efficient game. Former Jets. This great. is still former Jets yeah, great. Geno Smith. Former Jets, former Jets participant. I don't want to say former Jets great. <laughs> former Jets legend. Uh, 
I, I feel bad because I was just about, I was saying all these nice things about uh, Gino Smith and then she made me correct myself when you called him a legend. But, yeah, it, but it's, it's a nice story for the Seahawks, but this is a Seahawks team that's still what, like a six or seven win team this year. It doesn't change too much. It, uh, you know, they're going to feel good about that uh, win last night, but uh, they're still a team that's going to underperform. The offense is average. The defense is okay. And Pete Carroll is unfortunately just an average coach in over his head, and especially in a super tough uh, NFC West this year. Oh, that what a what a disappointment! What a, what an absolute disappointment! But it was a great week. It was a fun week, and uh, week one, and the NFL's off to a flying start. Uh, it really was. Um, the late games on Sunday weren't so great, and the the oh oh the other thing, I don't know if this impacted you in Canada, but I hope fans uh, get this, uh, especially people who listen in the uh, United States. Chris Collinsworth lost his voice. Did you see this online? Probably I, I didn't. Chris, yeah, no. I mean, listen. I, I know you think of us as you know the barren, you know, white North. No, no, no. But you watch different these... broadcasts. You weren't watching NBC. No, we had NBC. We simulcast that. We're not sending our uh, boys okay. on TSN, which is our Canadian version of ESPN. Uh, you know, we, we just we pay for the rights okay. for it. But no, it's NBC. We get uh, Collinsworth. Chris and Coll- get, um, Collinsworth with a, with a bad voice. You can't have Collinsworth sound that brutal on the air willingly willingly and i don't want to hear he's playing hurt mike tarico says he's playing our, our guy here is playing hurt didn't send him home and get him some tea get rodney harrison nah. in there you have other people but you, you get a what's his face the, the coach the former indianapolis coach what's his name dungy yeah tony dungy there you go have yeah, him do it these, these these are guys that have practiced this a little bit. They've done the studio stuff. They've been, uh, you know, the third or fourth team across various networks trying to stuff out. They can uh, yeah, hold it, their it was, own it, for a night. For a night. Uh, it was it was a little bit painful listening to him. I did feel bad. It's I, I I maybe they did not have a plan B or something because yeah, listen, Trico is great in the booth. Uh, Collinsworth, uh, when he doesn't sound like he's got a frog in his throat, uh, he is really good as well. But yeah, it was it was super labored having him you know, try and get through that. Uh, you know, it seems like maybe at halftime they gave him something because he sounded a little bit better, at least to start the third quarter. But uh, yeah, that was maybe not what you want for your flagship Sunday night program uh, promoting the NFL. But yeah, hopefully he's feeling better this week. But yeah, I didn't get the, oh, he's playing hurt. He's been traveling a lot. He's got red eyes. It's just like, oh, after the last two years, you know, we've gotten to a point now where, you know, I would I think we all would have felt better if we saw like a PCR test, uh, you know, come back negative in the booth. But, uh, you know, hope, hopefully he's doing better and hopefully his voice cleared up uh, for next time. That was funny. My wife said the same thing. She's like, I wonder if it's COVID. I hope it's not COVID. I said, I'm not worried about that. I'm not saying he did anything wrong. I hope he's feeling OK. I'm not criticizing Collinsworth. But NBC has to say, Chris, you sound like garbage. Stop. Yeah. I turned you know, it off. Real, I turned it off. I, it's, you know, I mean, as it is, I have trouble watching the NFL after watching eight hours of red zone. I watched the red zone from one o'clock on the East, East coast to eight o'clock. I even watched their touchdown montage while I had two TVs. I don't know if I texted you the picture, but I had two TVs set up. I had one on the red zone and I had the other on the U S open, which was awesome. The U S open was amazing in tennis. Right. So I had both going at the same time. I'm not into football at that point. I'm sports out. And then I mm-hmm. turned it on and I heard, you know, he he, he sounded like uh, Phyllis Diller after a couple of cocktails. 
Stop! I was just thinking about the demographics of this podcast and how many people are uh, working with that Philistine after a couple yeah, that's of a tough That's a that's a rough Google record. that one, folks. That it's a good mind. one. It's a good one. Was... I'm not too old for it, but maybe for some of you, just you know, Google's your friend. <laughs> Philistine uh, after a couple cocktails. <laughs> oh, that's not bad. No, it's it's the new mic I've got, folks. You missed our troubleshooting before you we went say, live. You do but, sound uh, crystal clear. You, it, yeah, you sound like you're I in the same room. I finally joined the 21st century. Uh, you know, we got rid of the the styrofoam cups and string that I've been using the past couple of years, and uh, yeah, this this is what I actually sound like. It's yeah, it's amazing. This is what you. This is what it would be like if you were in the same room with Patrick Morrow. In, a scary thought for many of you, I imagine. Well, I will tell you at the U.S. Open, because I know we have to get to some of these games here, but I will tell you, I, in 2013, hosted a morning show on a webcast on a pro- on a platform called Spreecast. Okay, it was something that I worked for, and it was part of my career. And we used to do this show called Good Morning Spreecast, and it was supposed to be a preview of all the content on the Spreecast platform that day. And I was partnered with this pop culture writer from the Bay Area in California. I hosted, I don't know, dozens, if not 100 shows with her. She, because of something with her husband, she was in New York for the U.S. Open. And I took my kid to the women's final. And before the women's final, I saw her in person for the first time in 10 years. Okay. 10 years. So. When am I going to see Patrick Morrow? I say 2031. 2031, no. We'll have the no. flying car by then. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. How I long just, have I, I known you since to... what, 29? I've known you pre COVID. That's right. And that's, you know, it's kind of sad that that's how we kind of, you know, think of like time frames now, like pre COVID, yes. post COVID, during COVID. COVID. Yep. No, yeah. I will. Uh, I will. I will get down to New Jersey for a Leafs uh, Devils game this year. We'll. Uh, we'll stuff, make that pay for stuff that. Stuff that I bought during COVID to upgrade my studio here is now out of warranty. That's how long COVID. No. <laughs> oh no, that's that's what it really hits. <laughs> All right, when a Leafs Devils. Uh, All right, I'm in. At long last, let's take a look at week two of the National Football League. Uh, let's, I just hope it's a, 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 an encore of what we saw so far in week one. Uh, we'll start it off with Thursday night. So if you're listening to this podcast as it's released tomorrow night, the, uh, chargers and the chiefs, uh, it is the first Amazon prime video, uh, game. Um, Al Michaels, Kirk Herbstreet, we'll call it. Everybody's going to be talking about that broadcast because you want to know if the bandwidth of Amazon can, handle the demand of people trying to watch this thing I, I'll, I'll be tuned in uh, i'm a cord cutter so it's literally just pressing one button over another doesn't really make a difference to me but uh chargers chiefs break this one down chargers chiefs uh right out of the gate stuff i gotta say uh there was this period a few years ago where the thursday night games were the crap games they were the also rans they were we have to get every team in the league on prime time once so your Dolphins are getting a Thursday night game. The Jets are getting a Thursday night game. That's where we're stacking them. How refreshing it is. And we started to see this last year, but we are getting good, meaningful games in primetime now on Thursday. I, I think it's it's tough for these players on the short week, but selfishly as fans, uh, this is awesome. And Chargers Chiefs is as good as it gets. 
Uh, looking at the board, this is the highest over under uh, so far of the season. We're only two weeks in, but it is sitting at 54 and a half at Bavada. And even with that number being as high as it is, about 90% of all bets are on the over there. As for the point spread itself, the Chiefs are four and a half point favorites in this one. Uh, Patrick Mahomes looked incredible in week one against a pretty hapless uh, Cardinals defense throwing for five touchdowns. And the Chargers were no slouch uh, either. They won a very close game against the Raiders. Herbert looked good. The offense looked good overall. The defense for the Chargers, surprisingly, looked really, really strong in that game. Uh, this one could really go either way. And uh, in what's likely the most uh, talented division in football, it's great to have such a solid matchup to start off week two. Do me a favor. Uh, to check out this team. We'll probably never talk about them again this season. The uh, New York Giants had a real gutsy win. I was really impressed uh, with what the New York Giants did against the Tennessee Titans. They host Carolina in their home opener. What I hope is that Giant fans just go to the, <laughs> the park. There's literally no buzz in New York about the Giants and the Jets. The Jets are putrid. The Giants are probably putrid. But at least for now, they're 1-0. Can they go 2-0 against Baker Mayfield and the Panthers? Yeah, they can. Um, it, it helps that uh, the Giants, the currently undefeated New York football Giants, uh, coming off that two-point conversion win over the Titans in week one, uh, they find themselves with a pretty friendly opponent in week two in a Carolina Panthers team that, you know, in the second half, looked like they were starting to put it together a little bit with Baker Mayfield against the Browns, ultimately coming up short in that one. Uh, you know, the, the Giants, they're not going to be a team that we're likely going to be talking about for too much longer. Uh, they're currently 6-1 to one to win the NFC East at Bavada behind the Cowboys, the Washington Commanders, and uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. But looking at this game specifically, the Giants are ever so slight two-and-a-half-point favorites right now. They're taking about 60% of all bets. Uh, the over-under sitting at 43, one of the lowest at the at the book this week. And uh, we're seeing about 55% of bets on the under so far. So your New York football Giants, again, two-and-a-half-point favorites at Bavada. Um, not, not many more times that we'll be talking about them as favorites this year, Seth. But, hey, Giants fans got to enjoy it while they can. Well, it's such a great fan base and, you know, just it's been it's been rough, man. It's been it's been really rough. Uh, just how uh, uninteresting. Not only have they been bad, they've been uninteresting. Same thing with the Jets. They're just they're boring and, you know, converting the year before last. So the 2020 season, I had to cover the Jets for Sports Illustrated. And so I had to watch every Jets game and it was a, like a form of torture last year was the first year that uh, Hulu got the red zone. And I started watching mm -hmm. the red zone instead of the jets. And I, it, my life is totally different. I'm seeing all these great games every week. I'm loving the NFL and I, it's because I'm not watching the jets or giants. No. And I, I mean like the one thing, uh, so you mentioned the jets, uh, they are, there's, there's nothing to get excited about at all with that team. And with the Giants, they're not going to go far this year. But I've got to say, and this is the overreaction, you know, classic overreaction to week one. But you got to like how good Saquon Barley is looking right at the game. He looks stronger. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the push that he got on that two-point conversion was massive. If you know he's going to be able to plow through players like that, it makes a lot more sense to feed him the ball in that scenario. So well, the fact that at least when fearless, you're... the fact that he, he, he's sure. actually fearless is, is phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, uh, looking at uh, the Jets right now, so we, we this is a new thing this year, uh, Seth, at Bavada, is that we are offering updated win totals throughout the season. So before the season started, the Jets were sitting around uh, five and a half, six and a half. They're now sitting at five. 
and uh, your New York football giants are sitting at seven and a half right now. So that's still suggesting that they're not a team that's going to make the playoffs, but uh, ah, that's, that's a nice start right out of the gate, beating the Titans, as you mentioned, uh, a one seed last year coming out of the AFC. So, you know, don't take that away from the giants. That was a well-deserved win. And again, a gutsy call late to go for two, uh, even with a minute left on the clock. All right, let's head out west to Las Vegas, Allegiant Stadium. That's a really cool stadium. That's one of the stadiums I want to see. Uh, the Raiders hosting the Cardinals. The Cardinals were thumped by Kansas City. Uh, they were brought down to reality, I, I, I thought. You know, all that talk about Kyler Murray and whether or not he watches film and whether or not he does all the work and putting in clauses for hours that he spent watching, you know, is studying and things like that. Uh, all of that, to me, comes to the forefront. Uh, he got manhandled. Yeah, that that's a, a super. I mean, what uh, looking at looking at that Chiefs Cardinals game, Seth? Uh, what a contrast in preparation. I mean, Andy Reid, uh, say what you will about some of his in-game adjustments sometimes, but he is considered one of the best preparation coaches in the league. You know, Andy Reid off a bye is something everybody talks about. So what happens when you give Andy Reid an entire off season to prepare for one game? Well, the proof was in the pudding there, and that Chiefs offense was relentless, uh, even defensively. Uh, it was Kyler Murray. Uh, improvisation versus game plan that led to a lot of the successful drives that the Cardinals were able to uh, achieve. And, you know, one of them was in garbage time anyway. So I don't give him too much credit for that. Uh, this is, uh, you know, you're, you're looking at a Cardinals team that they started the season last year, I think eight and no before floundering. Uh, the expectations are this is kind of a make or break year for a coach like uh, Cliff Klingsbury. He is one of the favorites at Bavada to be fired first of all the coaches uh, coming into the season. And this, this is a super tough one. The Cardinals are currently six-point road dogs uh, at Bavada against the Raiders in this one. The Raiders, we are obviously based on that point spread, but even prior to this game, we are much higher on a team like the Raiders. They added Devontae Adams. Defense is looking a little bit better this year. Um, and I, I think they're probably a little bit better coached as well. So not a lot of things going in the Cardinals' favor in this one. The over-under is sitting at 51.5, but uh, early days, money's pretty sprinkled around uh, fairly liberally across all sides. There's actually uh, two uh, Monday night games this week, which is kind of weird. Uh, ESPN has the rights to both of them. They're putting one on e ABC. A lot of broadcast rights stuff uh, going on in the NFL these first couple of weeks. The uh, Tennessee Titans take on the Buffalo Bills. And then the Minnesota Vikings and the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles, the dark horse, uh, they're expected to do big things. You know, everybody in the NFC East except the Cowboys won, but the Eagles are actually expected to do something. Tell me about Vikings Eagles. Yeah, really interesting uh, Monday night setup with the two double headers, as you noted, Seth. Uh, you know, broadcast rights going all over the place. Uh, sadly, my bid for live football sims to host Monday Night Football did not get picked up for the NFL. I came in a little bit short with my offer, but uh, we'll simply have to try again next year. Uh, looking at this Eagles-Vikings game, super compelling matchup. Um, the analytics community really liked the Eagles going into the season, and it certainly doesn't hurt uh, their cause at all that uh, they got got a massive break with not just the Cowboys losing week one against the Bucks, but with Dak Prescott being out. Uh, your Eagles are not your Eagles. The Eagles are now the odds on favorite to win the NFC. I did East. go to high school and, with their uh, general manager. OK, so there you go. So, uh, you know, you, they can be your Eagles for one week, maybe. <laughs> but uh, at least for the purposes of this matchup, uh, you know, the Eagles themselves are not just odds on favorites to win the NFC East now, but they are the favorite in this one at Bavada as they are two and a half point home favorites, which suggests it suggests that this Vikings team is maybe better than them on a neutral field. But the Eagles will enjoy home field advantage in this one. 
the Vikings had a super impressive uh, week one uh, matchup themselves, knocking off the Packers convincingly from start to finish. Aaron Rodgers looked really off in that one. I don't know if he's still feeling the lingering effects of doing a Bill Maher show after hours. And have you ever seen the Bill Maher after hours? It's uh, He's got the cocktail bar. He's got the weed smoking thing. I don't know how much uh, Rodgers' focus was there versus play on the field, but uh, he certainly looked like he was missing Devontae Adams. And that Packers offense looked helpless against the Vikings. Back to the game, though. Uh, this one is sitting with an over-under of 51 in early days, but uh, it, we're seeing nothing but Vikings money so far in this one. Betters loving the money line, loving plus two and a half, and they're even loving the over again at 51. You know, with all this talk about the NFL, what happens is we push uh, college to the side. Uh, the early season, there's not the great, great matchups. When you start getting heavy into co- conference play, you start seeing a, a lot better. There are a couple of top 25 matchups, including BYU uh, visiting Oregon and then Miami uh, visiting uh, Texas A&M. The uh, Miami Hurricanes taking on the Aggies of Texas A&M. Uh, thoughts on either one of those? You know, I'd say college is an interesting thing to preview week to week because there's the games that we think matter or could be good. And just by nature of there being close to 100 games every Saturday, you end up being surprised by the games that kind of matter. Like I, I didn't expect around five o'clock uh, last Saturday that I would be glued in to the end of Marshall Notre Dame because Marshall went into South Bend and upset the Irish. The Irish who looked sure. fantastic against Ohio State the week prior, uh, a moral uh, a moral victory. But now now that now the you know so the Irish have gone from hey they almost hung with Ohio State they almost eked one out to. Oh, now all of a sudden the Irish are 0-3 under their uh, new head coach going back to last year when he had to replace uh, Brian Kelly going into the bowl game. It's uh, you, you can plan for the games that you think are going to matter on college football Saturday, but the beauty of having so many games is you end up just, I got to flip here, I got to flip there. And uh, it, it was fantastic. Alabama, Texas was great last week. Um, you know, just again, by the nature of how many games uh, there are on the board, you're going to find a couple that matter. The ones that we think that matter this week, and you know, I, I watched. Uh, I was up for 14 hours last Saturday watching all the games, uh, so I, I think I got a good gist of everything. But you know, the games we think that matter this week, Seth, uh, BYU, Oregon. That's number 12 versus number 25. Oregon looking for a big bounce back after they got stomped by uh, Georgia in Week One, and BYU. They looked really, really strong defensively against Baylor. A really good, underrated late Saturday matchup last week that came down to overtime. Uh, this one uh, is sitting at a very nice low point spread of three and a half right now. BYU getting a little bit more of the money there. I think that's a recency bias from players. We do like Oregon a little bit more on paper, and the over under is sitting at. 57 and a half at Bavada, not too much betting on the over just yet at that one. And I, I would say that, you know, just because you mentioned uh, Jimbo Fisher, uh, we have Miami and we have Texas A&M on ESPN at nine o'clock. And, you know, Miami's coming into that game at number 13. They're coming in there with some reasonably high expectations, but this game is, this could be a break for Jimbo Fisher. Um, you know, after that loss to Appalachian state last week, where I think they were two or three point, uh, or sorry, two or three uh, score favorites. Um, if he were to lose another one like this, you know, he, his days in College Station might be numbered. All right. This is a, another action-packed episode of this podcast. I, again, 2031 is when I meet, meet you in person. Unless you come March 7th for, for Leafs Devils. Uh, hockey training camp starts soon. Ready for that. Uh, you can't boo Russell Wilson. You can't boo Russell Wilson. And Chris Collinsworth cannot work that game unless you have a voice.
That's right. But uh, so between now and next week, we're going to work on the GoFundMe to send Pat Morrow to New Jersey for that Leafs game, folks. Uh, We're going to have... We're going to have the, yeah, Lord knows Bavada doesn't have enough money to, uh, you know, send me on the one hour up and down flight. So we'll send a, we'll have the GoFundMe next week. We'll have the Patreon. We'll have the Cash app. Uh, I'll drop uh, my crypto address, folks, because, you know, um, yeah, it's it's tough times at Bavada, folks. So uh, give until it hurts. (laughs) Very nice. That'll do it for the Bavada at Odds podcast. For Patrick Morrow, I'm Seth Everett. We'll see you next week. Better early, bet often. Good luck week two, folks.